0: Time for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. From the Frickers Studios. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Prickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor rooter Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By M.J. Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly I. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply, Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and by the Rumpy Corporation. And now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle.
1: Welcome on in to this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto. here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM. 105.7 FM WFOB and Classic. It's 967 WBVI. Lance Morris. Matt Calm here with you until 7.30. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night. Matt, how are we doing? Playoffs, baby. I'm doing great.
2: Oh man. It's a postseason action finally in Fall Sports. We have had a a little bit of it already. Congrats to Calvert and Fremont St. Joe making it to the district finals. For volleyball in division four looking forward to that game tomorrow night and man we're starting playoff football that doesn't get better than that we're, we're we're in the win or go home stage of the football season and man we got some good teams out there this year there's some pretty solid teams this could be a pretty special uh postseason in the region so I, i'm just ecstatic about it and I, I don't even feel like wasting any time continuing to go on and on about let's Let's get to it so we can get through this sports huddle so we can get to playoff sports, man. Let's do this.
1: <laughs> uh, taking a look at who we'll have on the show today, we'll talk with Kevin harris Ryder For me to midfield, along with Awful Announcing and the comeback to talk Ohio State football, big win for them last week over Iowa this Saturday. They take on Penn State. We'll talk with Stephen Adams, Finley High School's head football coach, coming off a win against Lima Senior. They'll open up the playoffs and take on Perrysburg in a little rematch of one of their earlier games. And we'll talk with Hopewell Loudon, head football coach Brian Collatruglio, the Chieftains, coming off a win against Gibsonburg. They will open up the playoffs with Seneca East in the first round of Good old MAL rivalry matchup from back in the day. But this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports subtle here from the Frickers studios. We are not at the Frickers in family, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Today, there's sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All those specials, though, are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. And, yes, Matt, as you alluded to, we have more volleyball action coming on Thursday when we have coverage of the district finals matchup. Calvert takes on Fremont St. Joe. You can hear Matt Common and I live for that one from Fremont Ross tomorrow night. It'll all get started around 6 o'clock. We'll have that on Classic. It's six seven. And don't miss our coverage of the first round of the playoffs in high school football on Friday night. That'll all get started with the NWO Orthopedics psych Show from the fricker studios bart wilson Reese Lane and get you ready for all the action for the first round of the postseason in high school football they will go live at six o'clock on WFOB. we'll have coverage of a battle in seneca county hopewell Loudon playing host to seneca east john and tom grind have that one for you friday on wfob on classic hits we'll have coverage over the arlington red devils they bring in delphus st john's in the first round Matt Common and I will have that one for you Friday on Classic. It's 96.7. Then after the games, we'll go back to the Fricker studios for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show. Bart Wilson, Reese and recap all the action for the first round of the high school football postseason. You can hear that on Friday night once those games have started to wrap up. with that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Midnight Midfield, along with the awful announcing and the comeback. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB.
3: Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers.
1: Hey, Hardin County, Allen County, and Putnam County residents. NWO now can serve your local orthopedic and physical therapy needs a bit closer to home. We are now located in Bluffton at 132 Guru Street, right across from Bluffton Hospital. We provide the same great standard that NWO always offers, and we are now accepting patients wanting to be seen in our Bluffton office. Take your orthopedic and physical therapy needs to NWO. There's only one place to go, NWO.
3: Hi, this is Don from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true?
4: That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks, this is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-586. For, for a free no obligation inspection and quote today
1: are you looking for a job with a great company the ropey corporation has several positions available they have general labor positions with a starting pay of 1884 an hour with a raise after 90 days these are full-time positions that work second shift from 2 p.m until 10 p.m there's also an opening for a cdl class a truck driver to apply go to ropey.com and find career opportunities under the company tab Come work for one of Northwest Ohio's best companies, privately held and family-driven. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits, 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Kalman here with you tonight. The Ohio State Buckeyes get the win in decisive fashion over Iowa. Saturday, they will take on Penn State. You can, of course, Listen to Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We are now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer for Meetup Midfield, along with Awful Announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Kevin, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys?
1: Oh, we're doing good. Thank you. Uh, thank you once again for for taking the time to talk with us. And we, again, go back to uh, how it was prior to Ohio State having a bye. They do exactly what they need to do in a runaway win against Iowa. What were, what were some of your big takeaways?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this one was a, a little bit of a slow start. I mean, I think in the entire first half, Ohio State only had like three and a half yards per play or 3.1 yards per play. So it was it was kind of like a tale of two halves. The first half was like super frustrating on offense. And then the second half was uh, Well, they finished the game with 54 points. So um, I think it was it was a this was really, in my opinion, the first real test for this Ohio State offense. Um, and And frankly, like, there's no team that Ohio State could possibly play that's going to have secondary as good as this secondary that it played against Iowa. So the fact that they just like went out and scored, I mean, I guess it was 47 points uh, defensively or offensively um, against what I believe is probably the best secondary in the country. uh, Certainly the best secondary that they have a real realistic chance of uh, playing either the rest of the season or um, in the college football playoff. So the fact that they were able to put 47 points on this secondary uh, kind of really tells you all you need to know about this Ohio state offense. And um, outside of that, I mean, it's really hard to praise the team for playing well against Iowa's offense, but I mean, I think Ohio state finished with six turnovers and anytime you have six turnovers in a game, uh, you're doing something right. No matter who you're playing, you could be playing a high school team and um, getting six turnovers is still uh, impressive.
2: Yeah. And, and Kevin, I, I, guess you kind of touched on a little bit because i i do look at that first half and sure first half final score being 26 to 10 not too shabby that's that's still a pretty decent first half of action for most teams but this isn't most teams and so how do you see any team besides potentially the the team that, that which we do not speak of on this particular program um do you see any of them being able to hold their own against Ohio state with what Iowa is able to do? Do you, do you feel Iowa may have exposed Ohio state a little bit with some, maybe some of their deficiencies, if there are any, or was this just matchup Nirvana for Iowa? That this great secondary got a little bit of a slow start against Ohio state.
4: I think it was a few things. First, I think, I think Illinois is probably the best defense in the big 10 um, top, top to bottom. I think that Iowa's defense probably matches up a little better against Ohio States because Iowa's strength is their, uh, their secondary. While Illinois strength is certainly it's like it's front seven. So it's, it's a little different. Um, but in terms of just like raw, um, performance or talent, I think Illinois is, is probably the best defense in the big 10. So if, if Illinois keeps running the table, Ohio state's going to face another, you know, decent test against Illinois in uh, the big 10 championship game. Um, but You know, I I think in terms of what Iowa did, it was just confusing to Ohio State more than anything, and they weren't really prepared for it. Um, And it sounds really weird, but like Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud both kind of said this. It's very odd when you suddenly, for a play into the game, have to start your entire offensive script. On your opponent's 30 yard line or inside your opponent's 30 yard line. And it sounds like really like a weird thing to complain about like, oh, you started too close to your opponent's uh, end zone. But when you're playing the best red zone defense in the Big Ten uh, and you start your first drive after kind of having a script, because Ohio State really likes to script out their first 10 ish plays um, just to kind of get like a, a rhythm going. And you don't really expect that to happen inside your own 30-yard line. So if they looked a little disjointed, especially on that first play, or that first series. You know, that definitely comes into play. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Iowa's offense was so bad that it actually, like, surprised Ohio State. Um, the other thing that was kind of at play there was against Michigan. Uh, Iowa really played Ohio State and Michigan completely different, and completely different than you would expect them to. Um, against Michigan, they really like dropped a lot of guys in coverage and uh, you know l- let individual one-on-one battles on the line uh, determine the line of scrimmage and how that that played out. And that's ca- kind of counterintuitive and not what you would expect a team to do against Michigan. You would expect that team to load the box and um, really take away the run and stuff like that, but that's really not what they did. And I think that surprised Michigan and on the same level, um, what Iowa did to Ohio State is they loaded the box. And so I think Ohio State came in, especially seeing what Michigan was able to do to Iowa. Um, Ohio State came in and really tried to establish the run, but they were facing a loaded box almost every snap. Um, and instead, they left Ohio State's receivers in one-on-one coverage. They blitzed a lot. It just really wasn't, I don't think, what Ohio State was prepared to face against Iowa. And so that's why the first like you know five to 10 drives, it really was a little disjointed because, Iowa was not showing what they did on film um and they're very talented so it took a little bit to get those adjustments done and I think that's why you saw um, a completely different completely different uh a a more confident Ohio State team uh that really just knew what it was doing in the second half and um in the second half they just kind of you know blitzed over uh Iowa pretty easily so um I guess if there's anything you can positively take away it's that like the best defense in the country had a great game plan for Ohio state and it still didn't matter because they put up, you know, 47 points, uh, anyway.
1: This is the NWO orthopedics sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here talking with Kevin Harris, writer from meet midfield off announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers zoom room, CJ Stroud, another good game, 20 for 30 with just under 300 yards and a touchdown did have that interception. What'd you think of the overall performance we saw from Stroud?
4: Yeah, it was, it was a good game. Um, you know, I, I I think like when you're used to watching him put up 300, 400 yards and, you know, like six touchdowns every week, um, it's, it's very bizarre that this was one of like his less great performances on the week or on the season, but, um, you know, it was, it was a solid performance, uh, especially the way that he kind of rebounded and was able to, uh, you know, throw all, throw all over that team in the second half. but it was, you know, it was, it was what you kind of have come to expect from him. He did have that one pick, but it was just miscommunication from Emeka Ibuka and uh, and CJ Stroud. Um, I think that Stroud wanted him to turn a little sooner and uh, Emeka Ibuka, in my opinion, was doing what he's kind of taught to do. Um, you really want to dig right in front of that, that safety, that defensive back. Um, and then turn after you're on the other side of the defensive back. So it was just, it was a small little miscommunication thing between both of them. Uh, And, you know, a lot of that comes with just, this is the first, this is the seventh game that they've really played together. you know, Um, it's, I don't think that if you're looking for any sort of growing pains without having, without not having Jackson Smith and Jigba in there, um, it's probably that because at the end of the day, uh, Emeka Ibuka was not really supposed to play in the slot so much. Um, that was going to be Jackson Smith and Jigbo a lot. And then, uh, so he's kind of playing out of position a little bit. And then this is also just their seventh game together. Whereas CJ Stroud played with Jackson Smith and Jigbo all year last year. So um, with him being on a pitch count a little bit, uh, it, you know, y- you've you just had those, those little hiccups, but um, I think Ryan Day has mentioned it a few times. The more that the younger receivers can play with CJ Stroud, the better that is benefiting them down the line. So Um, I I think the thing is that's really funny to me is like I talk about Iowa like it was like a another like practice game for what Ohio State's gonna gonna face down the line it's like it wasn't really this is that that was the best defense the best secondary that Ohio State's gonna face like that was it so um, if any team is out there hoping to you know hold Ohio State or hold this offense down or slow it down or anything like that you can kind of just throw that out the window because if Iowa wasn't able to do that with the cornerback combos and the secondary that they have, I really don't think anybody's going to be able to do it.
2: Yeah, and Kevin, I'm just really curious your thoughts on this because you just mentioned C.J. Stroud, the game that he had, a very solid game. I mean, predictably good game for C.J. Stroud, even against this phenomenal secondary, 20 recept- twenty completions, 286, four touchdowns in the pick that you mentioned. I- I'm just curious, though, because I've seen nothing – throughout most of the press and stuff like that this week since the game stating that, oh, C.J. Stroud is still the locked-in favorite. It, it, it is the NCAA doing what they do every time that a team magically beats Alabama? Have, should we just assume that Hendon Hooker is the Heisman Trophy winner at this stage? Because it seems like now the media is actually turning negatively on C.J. Stroud, even when he's playing in performances like this.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's one of those things where they're just getting kind of bored of CJ Stroud clearly being the best quarterback in the country. Um, you know, there's a lot of people like hyping up Pen and Hooker, but like if you actually look at anybody's Heisman predictions or Heisman ratings and stuff like that, like nobody's actually putting him at number one. It's just like, ah, oh, he's making a rise. It's like, yeah, he is, but the gap's still gigantic. Um, I, I think there's just only so much you can talk about CJ Stroud, I and mean, we're we're kind of, I mean we're running out of things to say about him on, on an Ohio state themed, you know, radio hour every week. It's just rinse, repeat. Oh, the guy had the best performance in the country. You know, like it, it, it sucks for him, but like, it's just kind of like, that's the way that it is. Like he's, he, he's so good that it's almost boring. So I think if anything, people at this point are waiting for um, Ohio state to kind of like play some of their better opponents, and that's that's obviously going to come this week when you you have a top fifteen matchup between Ohio State and Penn State. Um, in their minds, at least, I, I think that um, people are are waiting to see and, and like because that's that's the criticism of Ohio State generally is you, anytime anybody says anything nice about Ohio State on Twitter or anything like that, all of the comments are like, "But who have they played?" So I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see. Ohio State do it against um a, a good team or a top 25 team which is hilarious because like I think that Iowa's defense is well, galaxies better than what Ohio State's going to face this week against Penn State but because they didn't have a little number next to their name it doesn't really matter to the masses but I think if if C.J. Stroud goes out and does what I think he's going to do against Penn State this weekend um I think you'll get a lot more people talking
1: Talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And yeah, you you touched on how people are, you know, they're sick of talking about Ohio State. I'm I'm sick of I'm sick of people hating on Ohio State. Oh, you haven't played anybody. We can only play what's on the schedule. That's a whole we can we can talk about that until the cows come home. But I refuse to engage in that more than I need to. But you had a, an article. That was published uh, for Awful Announcing on Tuesday. So if people haven't read that, they should go check that out. But you, without giving it all away, the gist of it, Ryan Day, instead of going to an ESPN College Football Awards ceremony in 2019, he decided he had some uh, more important fish to fry, so to speak, and went uh, went out recruiting.
4: Yeah, so that's actually a really funny story. I was actually at that event. Um and I was kind of confused why Ryan Day wasn't there, because if I remember correctly, he was actually nominated for a Coach of the Year Award, too. Um, so I, I don't think it was as simple as just like he wasn't there to support his players or something like that. Um, so that was 2019. It was when Justin Fields um, and J.K. Dobbins, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, they were all invited to the ESPN College Football Awards because they were all, you know, top three finalists for their um, specific career. Uh, Player of the Year Awards. So um I I was there covering it, whatever, and Ryan Day wasn't there. And I didn't really think that much of it at the time. It was a little bizarre, but um I guess like he just was doing something else. Turns out the thing that he was doing was taking an in-home visit to CJ Stroud, uh in in over in uh I don't remember in California. It's he it was in California. So he was on the West Coast uh visiting CJ Stroud and written in Ryan Day's uh, contract is actually um, media availabilities. Like he, he has certain media responsibilities and um, a, a national, you know, prestigious college football award show is certainly one of those and he didn't go. And so he actually got fined for his decision to go recruit CJ Stroud to Ohio state, instead of going to this award show and uh, on, on, Tuesday during his meet or t- during his press conference, he said uh it was worth it. And I think <laughs> it, it very clearly is when you you land a guy like CJ Stroud. And um I know maybe a lot of people don't follow recruiting or really follow how that how that whole process went, but um, Ohio State actually had a commitment from Jack Miller at that time, who now has transferred out. He's at Florida. Um, but they had a longtime commitment of Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud just kind of, like, had this crazy rise. Um, he, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, he wasn't even really on the map for any of these teams. Um, he was considered, like, a Washington State lean. Um, maybe Arizona State was in on him. But he was, like, not a high-level quarterback for a long time coming out of high school. Um, but then, like, he just had this crazy senior season and um started like blowing up at all of these recruiting camps and stuff like that and uh, was clearly the best quarterback in the country at his elite 11 camp um and so ohio state really got in on him late and i think what you saw in a guy like him was that he was blowing up at the right time and he wasn't anywhere near his potential and those are the sort of guys that you want to sign if you're a elite quarterbacks coach because it's like oh this guy is like just getting to what he can possibly be instead of a guy like Jack Miller that um, frankly hadn't really gotten a lot better since like his junior season of high school Um, you see that a lot with with quarterbacks that are the best in the country when they're a freshman or a sophomore but they don't really get a whole lot better they don't develop they kind of plateau but with CJ Stroud he was just a, a late rising guy and everybody in the country wanted him on their team and so the way that his recruitment shaped up like he didn't become a coveted prospect until like the last couple months, right before he signed, because these players are signing in December. And so Ryan Dave really had to go seal the deal, um, just because he hadn't been recruiting him that entire process. But obviously, he got it. Um, I think he ended up committing like less than a week later, maybe just over a week later. It was like a, a few days into December. And, um, you know, it turned out to be worth it because I think, uh, anybody would take whatever size that fine is for <laughs> the way that CJ Stroud is playing right now. And, uh, has a chance to um you know get ryan day another invite to that to that award show that he missed out on last time
2: yeah i was i was gonna say that is just money well spent <laughs>
3: at that point For to sure. get
2: to get someone like cj Stroud. now I, we, we keep talking about cj Stroud. i think you hit the nail on the head though he is honestly kind of boring to talk about because he just is so good all the time to kind of switch things up because you did mention some of the good defenses that could be coming up at least for front seven like illinois oh uh, should we be raising a little bit of a red flag with what we saw from the ground game this past week i mean a very very quiet day for a travion henderson 11 carries 38 yards Mayan williams my personal hero 10 carries 19 yards and only one touchdown or was that just the way the game was playing out they didn't necessarily need to be that heavy in the ground game
4: so i think that ryan day got a little spooked um i don't So as I mentioned, I think they were expecting to come and have Iowa drop, you know, a lot of guys into coverage and play their receivers the way that Iowa did to Michigan. And like I said, they did the complete opposite and they loaded the box. And so if you really looked at the strength of Iowa's defense this year, it was not stopping the run. Um, Iowa ranked, I think like 98th in in run success rate, actually, uh, and coming into this game. And so I think Iowa kind of learned from that Michigan game and instead loaded the box and trusted their talented players in the secondary to uh, make a play. And so no matter how bad a defense is at stopping the run, if you put, you know, seven guys in the box, they're going to stop the run. Like that's just like simple math. You've got more guys than you have blockers. Um, That's what's going to happen. But Ohio State's game plan based on everything they've seen from Iowa this year was to establish the run. And so I think that's why you saw Ohio State just go to the run over and over and over in the first half to really no avail. Um, And then in the second half, they really opened it up a lot more and started throwing the ball a lot more. But I think the game plan, based on what they've seen from Iowa all year, was to try to establish the run. And Iowa just put so many guys in the box that they really couldn't do it in the same way that they did. Um, I mean, there were basic, without getting too into the weeds... Ohio State pretty much called the same running play even um, every time they tried to snap the ball because uh, it was the only one that could feasibly work against the looks that Iowa was giving them. Um, you know, they did a lot of uh, of zone to the outside um, or just behind tackle instead of, you know, any of the pulling blocks and stuff like that. Um, so it it was, I think Iowa just kind of confused them um, and came out with a game plan that they really weren't prepared for. And that was part of the issue. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with the talent. I don't think it has anything to do with the, the um, offensive line or anything like that. It's just like no matter what anybody tells you, if somebody puts seven guys in the box, it's really difficult to run the football. So if there's anything to complain about, it's not even necessarily that the running game didn't get going. It's that Ohio State didn't switch to throwing the ball against this Iowa secondary soon enough. I think that's the only real criticism you could have about Ohio State from this game. But, um, you know, hats off to Iowa. That was a excellent way to really play to their strengths. It seems counterintuitive that a team with such a strong secondary would um, do, would actually, you know, limit their secondary players on the field. But that's kind of exactly what they did. And it really worked for the first half of the game and probably would have worked against an offense that was one-dimensional um, more like, Michigan or Penn State or something like that.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue our talk with Kevin Harris here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI.
3: Think you can't qualify for
4: a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner warner buick gmc can help you find the money you need for a car call 419-429-6157 that's 419-429-6157 or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com let warner help you get a car
3: today for price selection and service warner won't be beat for over 100 years
2: iron workers have been building america do you have what it takes to be an iron worker do you like to work with your hands Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080
3: and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right, the ones from Campus Poly Eyes, the world-famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Eyes for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best-kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house-made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Eyes is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Eyes offers dine-in, carry-out, or delivery. What you waiting on?
1: Back to continue our conversation here with Kevin Harris on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Kevin Harris, writer from Meetup Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the show. And this week, Ohio State takes on Penn State 6-1 and one on the year. Their wins come against Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, Central Michigan, Northwestern, and Minnesota That loss coming to Michigan. What are you looking forward to seeing when Ohio State takes on Penn State on Saturday?
4: Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, Ohio State fans need to send Minnesota a Christmas card here for uh, for scratching Tanner Morgan at, at the end of last week or right before the game last week. Because I, I do not think this Penn State team is good. And I think in a perfect scenario, Minnesota is probably better than that Penn State team. But without Tanner Morgan, Minnesota just couldn't do anything offensively. Um, they couldn't match scoring and it just got out of hand. So... I think this is like the perfect scenario for Ohio state to look like Penn state is a world beater of a football team. And I, I think Ohio state, just going to blitz this team. Like you look at, I I've been skeptical of this Penn state team, like kind of all season granted. I was also skeptical of Michigan, but like, if you look at the, the ways that they were winning these games, it hasn't been particularly dominant. Like they had that win against Auburn, but I think Auburn's kind of bad too. Um, but I mean, four points against Purdue, um they only scored 17 points on Northwestern won that game by 10 points um they let central michigan kind of keep that game a little close um i i just i don't think this is a, an awesome football team i certainly don't think it's a top 15 the number 13 team in the country um and i think that they're getting a lot more love than they probably should have from uh that loss or that that big win against minnesota last week i i think that what you saw against michigan is probably more likely that we're going to see um, this week against Penn state. It, it's just like, it's, it's not a, it's not an awesome football team. It's just not um, Penn state typically has really strong football teams when they come in and play Ohio state top to bottom. But I mean, there's just nothing that this team really does super well outside of, um, you know, I, I, I think they're, they're running back. Nick Singleton's super good. Uh, I think he's awesome. There's a ton of good running backs in the big 10 this year, and he's definitely one of them. Um, but outside of that, like it, it, it's Sean Clifford. He had a great, a great game last week, but like, I don't know. I just, there's not a whole lot about this, this Penn state team that I think is like worth being a top 15 team. Like they're fine. This is probably a a top half of the the big 10 sort of team in in any regular year. But like, this is not the third best team in the big 10 or um, a team that has any legitimate shot of competing in the Big Ten East or anything like that. Like, I think this is Ohio State can come out and win this game by forty. So um, I think just based on what they did last week, this is going to come in. This game's going to be with a lot of a lot more hype than it probably should be. And I think Ohio State fans have Minnesota and their absolute atrocious performance last week to thank for that. I mean, I'm just. I'm trying
2: to sit here and compartmentalize what you think. This has been historically a bit of a competitive game between these two, and, and you, like, you're that locked in on this one. You th- you think this could be one of those days where Ohio State just boat races a team? Kind of like what yeah. we saw a couple years back with that Michigan State game where it was like, oh man, this could be such a great game, and just Ohio State blew the doors off of them
4: There's there's Yeah, there's one game a year in my mind that ohio state usually ends up playing a team that everybody thinks is way better than they are and i think that's penn state this year um i remember a few years back they it was i mean probably six years back at this point i think it was 2016 when they played nebraska and nebraska was allegedly a top 10 team and ohio state won like 42 to 3 or something like that maybe it won't (laughs) get that ugly or something but like i think this is the kind of game that we're talking about like just the stars have aligned in such a perfect way that everybody comes in really high on Penn state after a really strong performance last week. And it's going to get immediately uh, shot back down with the way that Ohio state plays against Penn state this week. Um, I just like watching what they've done when they've actually played like a, a pretty good team, uh, like when they played Michigan, there's, there's nothing that Michigan did to to that Penn state team that I don't think Ohio state can do pretty easily. Too. So, um, I, I, I do think that this is just one of those games where um, Ohio State is just going to end up having a very strong performance against a team that I just think is a little overrated.
1: Talk with Kevin Harris, writer for At Midfield, along with awful announcing in the comeback on the NWO Orthopedics. Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios and uh, about, I mean, with Ohio State playing Penn State, It leads me to this question that I think is very pertinent and maybe our perspective is, you know, a little jaded being Ohio state people and all do Jay, do, do Penn state fans, do they actually like James Franklin? Uh,
4: I don't know. I think there's a love, hate (laughs) relationship with them. It's kind of one of those, like, like when you've got an estranged um, you know, family member or something like that and nobody else is allowed to talk bad about them but you're allowed to talk bad about them that's kind of my read on the situation like they don't really want anybody else to like say that james franklin's a bad coach but also like i've never really heard that many people like lining up to like defend james franklin or anything like that um <clears throat> so i don't know i i don't think like james franklin's a bad coach but it just the reality of the situation at penn state is just that you also have to compete with ohio state and michigan and so when you're just like when you have that with you you're just kind of automatically starting is you know default the third best team in the big 10 at the least or the best and then you kind of have to earn your way to the top it's kind of the same thing as like playing in the sec with alabama and georgia right now like you just kind of start as the third best team at best in the sec so um i don't know i don't think james franklin's a terrible coach but I think in a lot of ways, he's just in over his head, um, and he's competing against programs that like he doesn't really have a hope of competing against.
2: So on the flip side of that, does, does James Franklin like Penn State? <laughs> yeah, right. We don't know that either. Yeah. Uh, well, that, uh, the, the reason I asked that question is uh, there's a very strong inkling out there that there's going to be some big-time jobs that potentially open up this offseason and make no mistake i mean james franklin he's come in he's really helped set the tone of the tempo again in penn state after all the scandal and controversy and uh you know bill o'brien rental year that they had but i guess my question is if if it really is this love-hate relationship do you think he might look to some place where it could be a love-love relationship you know a healthy relationship where both sides work with each other both sides are happy Maybe they go out on the weekends, have a dinner date every now and then. I I mean, there's going to be some jobs opening up that he could really do
4: well at. It's really bizarre because they do that song and dance like every year, you know, like he'll leave and like he like there's like all of those rumors that are floated out that he could be leaving or Penn State could be looking to go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden they he signs an extension or something like that. So I don't know. I it's a, it's a very bizarre thing that like, I've, I've never really seen a perennially pretty good team in an elite conference with like a storied program like that. Like I've never seen what seems like less commitment to the actual job. It, it's really bizarre. Um, just like for how long he's been there, how much success he's really had there, how much that fans like claim to like him, um, in by all accounts, everything seems to be like going well. His players love him. Like, that sort of thing. He recruits well. I've never really seen like less commitment to a job. It's like it's it's absolutely bizarre. It, it feels like since he's been there, he's had like half a foot out the door. Like, yeah, I'm doing great. I love it here, but like I could leave, sort of thing. And I don't know if that's just like a negotiating tactic or anything like that. But yeah, it, it's really bizarre. um And I don't even really know. Like like I like I mentioned. Like I don't I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's sincere. He really you know. Would enjoy leaving or something like that, or if that's just a ploy to get more money from the, the university, only he knows that, so it's really hard for me to even say, like, oh, yeah, this guy's definitely going to look for another job if he, like for all I know, he could love it there. He just uses that as his ploy to get more money. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's really weird, it's really, really weird. It happens like every year.
1: Talk with Kevin Harris, writer for me at midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle here from the Fricker Studios. There's not that many uh, exciting games coming up this pe- this uh, coming weekend. Oklahoma State plays Kansas State. Tennessee plays Kentucky. So not not a super loaded week for ranked matchup. So I'm more curious to know what you felt uh, watching all the, the games we had last weekend. You have Clemson able to hang on. They beat Syracuse. Alabama takes care of business against Mississippi State. LSU, first big win for Brian Kelly. They dominate Ole Miss. TCU came back to beat Kansas State, Oregon. They top UCLA and Oklahoma State. They make their own comeback and they beat Texas. And Quinn Quinn Ewers definitely uh, did not have his best performance in that one. What What were your thoughts on what we saw uh, this past week in college football?
4: First off, I think it's hilarious the the reactionary uh, the the reactionary um, response to SEC teams beating other SEC teams is never going to stop being funny to me. <laughs> Like LSU was not a top 25 team in the country. I don't even think they were like a friend, like they, they, I'm sure they were getting votes, but like they beat an Ole Miss team that really hasn't played anybody this year when they were favored to do so. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're the number 18 team in the country. It's the wildest <laughs> thing to me. And it, it happens every single time somebody has like, so every time that happens, they're like, oh, well we thought Ole Miss was awesome. So. You know, LSU must actually be awesome. I don't know. So that, that was that was one weird thing that I took away. But, um, I mean, other than that, you had Texas. Quinn Ewers had just an atrocious game. Like, just just to, and the funny thing was he didn't start playing well until, like, that final drive, and he was just kind of cooking. And then, like, he hit a receiver perfectly in the chest, and the ball right, bounced right off his chest into a defender's hands for a game-sealing interception. So that was pretty perfect. Um, but, yeah, he, he didn't look very good. Um, you had, uh, um, what was it, T- TCU and Kansas State. That was weird, too. Um, Kansas State had a couple injuries, and TCU was able to take advantage of it and come back. Uh, TCU fascinates me. I have no idea how good or bad they are um, because they look, you know, they play, like, three different football games in one football game. Um, but th- their offense is super fun. Um, yeah, Oregon, I think. Is, man, I think if Oregon would have even played Georgia remotely closely, that's a team that could easily have make like a college football playoff run or something like that. Um, they've really turned it on the past few weeks. They look like, you know, decidedly the best program in the Pac-12 right now. And Clemson, I mean, I thought Clemson was dead in the water, too. And they came back and won that game against Syracuse. And I, I mentioned it on the uh, I mentioned it on the on the show last week. I don't really see anybody left on Clemson's schedule that could conceivably beat them. You know, that's not to say that they couldn't, like, slip up and lose to Notre Dame or South Carolina. South Carolina's ranked? Same thing. (laughs) Same thing. Like, how? I don't know. But that's not to say that they couldn't slip up in one of those games, but, like, that's a team that easily could be undefeated and end up in the college football playoff at this point. So, um, yeah, I think the past two weeks have really just started to, like, seal in who, uh, are really the contenders and what these teams really are. Uh, so I, it, it's been a fun few weeks. I, we might not get that this week. Um, there aren't really that many ranked matchups as you alluded to, or, you know, even really competitive games. Cause I, Alabama is going to beat LSU and they'll probably end up only being 25 next week instead of number 18 or whatever. But, um, yeah, there, there's just not a whole lot going on this week, but, um, yeah, in, in general, it's been a, a really good past couple of weeks in college football.
2: I've just enjoyed your reaction to South Carolina being <laughs> number twenty-five.
0: It was,
4: that was just perfect because, like, I was just talking about how there's these random SEC teams that like slip into the top twenty-five due to absolutely no fault of their own. South Carolina's five and two. I guess like their only losses have come to Georgia and to Arkansas, but like. What what have they done to? They beat a terrible Texas A and M team by six points. Like, come on, what are we doing here? And they're well, going to stay that way too because they play Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Florida, and all of those teams are bad. So this team's going to end up as a top fifteen team playing Tennessee. What, what this is terrible. I, this is like, I, I be, it's just how it goes. Like, <coughs> they're going to end up as a top fifteen team and people are going to be hyping up this matchup as they're going into playing Tennessee, and then Tennessee's going to beat them by 40, and people are going to say, oh, the Volunteers are for real. So should I let you know that Kentucky is still ranked 19th <laughs> as well? Yeah. I don't I don't hate Kentucky. Kentucky's, like, I don't know. I Their offense is fun. I just – and, like, my thing is, like, I, I do like South Carolina, too. They're, they're a fun team. They just, like, what have they done to be the number 25 team in the country above, like, some teams that – it just uh, – I, I don't understand. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. I guess beating an atrocious Texas A&M team is, is what gets you ranked these days. And then we're going to have the same conversation about how Ohio State hasn't played somebody. And you're making South Carolina ranked number 25 for beating Texas A&M. Just it doesn't make any sense.
1: Uh, on yeah. that note, this has been Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with Awful Announcing and The Comeback. We follow you on Twitter at Kevin. is Kevin. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. On Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI in ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and
3: Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org.
1: Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a 25-cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Back we are here on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. and Classic, Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you tonight. The Finley Trojans coming off a big win to end the regular season with the win over Lima Senior. They will be in the playoffs. They find themselves in a rematch with a team they played earlier this season in Perrysburg. We're now pleased to be joined here by Finley High School's head football coach, Devin Adams here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? I'm good,
5: man. Thanks for having me as always.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us and another uh, another big win for your guys uh, out in Lima last uh, last Friday night. What were what were the good and bad you saw from your team last week?
5: Yeah, no, I think uh overall, you know, with what we had to adjust and do uh offensively, um, you know, uh Ryan we actually did not play Ryan in that game, and we went to kind of a, uh, a, you know, kind of a really a wildcat offense with uh, Dallas De La Cruz as our kind of quarterback, and uh, it was quite the experiment. But our, our guys adapted, they adjusted, they played well, and um, you know we're able to come out on top. I think defensively getting a shutout, anytime you do that, that's uh, it's huge, uh, not letting any points on the board. So big hats off to our defense. They we set out to create chaos and make it a very uncomfortable night for their, their, you know, quarterback and their offensive line. And we did just that. So just really proud of our guys' effort. Um, I I would say, you know, with the bad, I would say really for for the most part for us, I think we were fairly clean, um, as far as the game goes. And, uh, if anything I can harp on, it could be something very small. And that would be, you know, our kickoff coverage, but that was just more so guys, some, some guys just learning little small details that go along with, uh, Coverage. So, other than that, I was very happy we got the win. We set out to get the win and put ourselves in the best spot to be a possible seed for the playoffs, and
2: it worked out for us. Uh, well, first, coach, let me just say thank you for beating Lima senior. Um, <laughs> really, really can't stress that enough. Um, I, I think I speak on behalf of Lance when I say that anytime a Lima team gets taken care of with the amount of times we've frozen to death covering postseason football down there, Yep. We support it. Um, we immediately endorse it. Uh, yep. But you, obviously, obviously, not playing um, Ryan out there. You mentioned the Wildcat setup. How how do you feel that? One, do you feel that that could be a new wrinkle for the offense going forward in the postseason? Because obviously, thirty-two nothing. It definitely seemed to work.
5: Yeah, no, I think it's something to have in the pocket, right? It's something that we have that we kind of were able to add to the arsenal. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, as we game plan and, and put things together. You know, we'll kind of find out where, you know, we'll kind of find out where, where where it fits and and so forth. But I think uh, it, it was definitely nice to have, and I think it, you know, overall it really you know, allowed us to come up with being a little more creative and, and add some flexibility to our offense overall. So definitely something that we have in the pocket in the arsenal that we could always pull out.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris Matt Common here with Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams you mentioned it with Ryan holding him out essentially as a precautionary measure what can you say about how he was feeling last week in leading up to not playing and then how he's been looking and getting ready for uh, possibly getting back on the field this week.
5: Yeah, no, he was good. He was ready to go. I mean, he went out, warmed up, looked pretty good, felt good, was spinning the ball around, and, uh, you know, was confident. Just uh, as we kind of went through it all, we, we we were we were confident in the game plan that we had and, uh, you know, wanted to hold him back. So I think we're, he's he was fine. He felt good and looked good, and there were no, really no setbacks. We just didn't want to, you know, we, we felt good about what we had in place uh, against them because it was something new, uh, something they haven't necessarily seen before. So we knew it, was, it would cause some fits because it was a complete change from, uh, kind of essentially what we've shown offensively.
2: And coach, with that offensively, I mean, met, mentioned Alster Cruz. You mentioned Ryan um, Montgomery. I'm asking about Luke and my horses. What did you see from them Friday night that's got you, you feeling know, good going into the postseason?
5: Yeah, uh, great, you know, great question. I think I I was very pleased. Obviously, you know, the, when we made the wrinkles, the wrinkles really came down to, hey, we're going to probably throw the ball less than or run the ball, we're going to throw the ball a lot less than we uh, have thrown before. We're really going to lean on our run game uh, and lean on the big guys up front, uh, both the O-line and D-line. And, you know, our guys got it done. I think we did a good job. Uh, The guys blocked and paved the way for, uh, you know, Dallas to be able to get over the 100-yard rushing mark. Um, You know, I think those guys have been pretty sound all year long. But really, I think they kind of took ownership and and took some pride in like, hey, You know, without Ryan out, we're we're not gonna be out here. You know, slinging it around. So we're really gonna lean on you guys to create some lanes and some good blocking lanes for us to get loose. And I thought they did exactly just that up front on offense. And then obviously defensively, they were they were able to get in the backfield and really disrupt the timing of the play, disrupt the timing of uh you know for the quarterback and and not be able to get just a clean drop back and a clean look. And uh, I think in all reality too, with, with Luke, you know, over you at center, it really causes a headache for centers and. You know, I think was able to cause a couple of bad snaps as well because they worry about getting up out of their stance. So, you know, really, really happy with our guys on on both sides of the ball up front, and uh, I, I'm really genuinely excited because I think we're, we've got a good, clean bill of health right now, and you know, you need some of that uh, for better, you know, luck going into the playoff season.
1: And you mentioned it before, but having Dallas De La Cruz uh, step up into the new role as essentially a wildcat quarterback, and I know we've talked about him, you know, a handful of times, but he was a guy last year. With granted, a lot, had a, a lot of different talent on the roster with uh, the seniors you had. It was okay if you're going to get on the field for me. It's going to be on defense. Whereas this year, it's been you know two way guy, and now even more so stepping into the the pseudo quarterback role. W- what can you tell us kind of about the development you've had from him with uh, being there for those two the two years you've had him?
5: Yeah, I think you know last year we that was such a you know for these guys I can just say it like this group this this group of of seniors right now, for the most part, you know, really, beside Luke, um, most of them were essentially kind of waiting in the wing a little bit. You know, uh, that that group last year was extremely talented and have been essentially deemed the group uh, to kind of do what they did last year. So I, I thought it really uh, was going to be interesting to see, you know, how our guys would develop this year. Who maybe thought they should have more snaps or more carries or more touches and so forth and for Dallas you know that was exactly it because of the spread offense that we went to last year primarily you know it really forced him out of a of a role um you know and then with kind of the development of the offseason and understanding that you know we're not going to have with Isaac James out we, we don't have a clear running back and he wanted to be able to put himself in a good spot physically to to play that role and you know he did a good job and it's been a good job and We've kind of morphed over the beginning of the season to now, and uh, he's gotten and taken the coaching that needs to be taken, and found a way to really understand what all goes into playing running back. Because I think a lot of people tend to think you just get the ball and just run, you know, and that may work for Pee Wee League uh, and it might get you to, to to middle school, but you know, you start to understand why you're going where you're going, you know, you're, you'll you'll really take off. And I think he's done just that since really, I want to say third or fourth game since we start really kind of putting. Uh, the hunch on his back; he's gonna have to run the ball effectively.
2: And coach, now look at the defense side. Obviously, uh, a, another year, another season worth The Fremont Ross game tends to be a big turning point for you guys. Once again, I nominate that week one going forward. <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be tough to see if Fremont Ross is on board with that. But look yeah. at the defensive side since that game. I mean, yes, you did have the loss to Saint John Jesuit, but that was only eighteen points. What have you been seeing from the defense that that they seem to be a lot more in sync at this yeah. stage? Which obviously is a great thing going into the postseason.
5: Yeah, no, I, I think when you when you look at a lot of the, the the early, you know, let's start let's start with game one. I mean, listen, we held a uh, an extremely talented, you know, team in Anthony Wayne to nine points. Um, I think that's a, a a thing that, you know, we look back on, we did a great job that game. Okay. And then game two, uh, Perrysburg, you know, we, they, 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 they called us early and I think it, it rattled us pretty good. And, you know, and, and still with even that said within the flow of the game, we had times when they got stops and we had opportunities to close the gap, uh, offensively. And maybe we just didn't, um, and then you can go through the other games as well, too. Third game, ball in green. Did a great job creating havoc, wreaking havoc. You no, know, still, a Central Catholic, we got some stops. They punted the ball. You know, uh, Whitmer, same kind of deal. So they've, they've, I think for us, like, they've always been right there in the conversation of what they're doing. And even when things haven't been the greatest, and take even, uh, take Fremont Ross, right? Like, what a great game. Yeah, they put up a lot of points. What was up with your defense? Okay, fine. But our defense also got ahead and made a big play Uh, when Hudson Goble stripped the ball from their best player in Caden Holmes you know it gave us a a chance to go down and score and and, and do what we do so I think it's just they've been at it all year long it's just continuing to get cleaner at things and you know really you know with Luke being able to 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 take on and be on the ball both sides he's done a phenomenal job of of putting pressure on a lot of uh, a lot of offensive lines so I think this group has been, in my opinion, has been pretty solid all year long. I think it's very easy to see numbers and see early scores and be like, you know, there's points there. But when it's mattered or when we needed a stop that could give us the momentum again, they've gotten it to us. So I just see a continuing gr- a growing group of guys. They're gaining confidence. They're making plays. They're creating turnovers. Uh, and, they're, and they're extremely sound uh, at this point in time where we're at right now.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios, and Sports Matt Common, talking with Finley High School's head football coach <laughs> Stefan Adams here in the Frickers Zoom room. And for, for you for this week, what have been what have been the big focuses so far in practice? Whether it's, you know, an overall theme or some of the little things you guys have been working on.
5: Yeah, I think just going back to the basics of uh, of really once again, you know, reminding ourselves of how, how good of a football team that we actually are. And then when we go back and look at this game that we played before because you got to look at it you got to watch it you know it wasn't a matter of us not, us not being in the right spots we were in the right spots we just maybe didn't make the tackle right um we understand the severity of now of, of the, the the little things that need to be done let's not let so not let a team get their best player like Connor Wozniak going right away i mean when that guy gets wrong going right away the extreme confidence comes into play right i think for us offensively uh, just continuing to, to, to be cleaner uh, and understanding that I think playoff football brings about that thought process that truly we talk about it, but really every play, everything you do matters. Everything counts. You know, you're not going to be able to wiggle out of some things. I think we're cleaner in our special teams unit, in our special teams area. So I think the biggest thing for us is going out and just playing a clean game. You know, getting out there and not letting the explosive plays happen on defense. You know, creating and getting explosive plays and creating good drive starters. Uh, on offense, and then being extremely disciplined in that in special teams game as well too, you know. But it all starts and it all ends with number two, Connor Wozniak.
2: I was I was about to say it's the, definitely watching the tape, watching the film, looking back at that game. It was very much the Connor Wozniak show, and yeah. I was that's definitely sounds like he's at the forefront here yeah. for the discussion. Uh, I I, no I am curious though after what you you've had the past couple weeks with uh, Dallas De La Cruz coming in. Does that wildcat now give you a sense of, okay, maybe we could have this x factor play that they might not be prepared for because they didn't get to go against it with us in week two because we didn't have that in our arsenal just yet, or is there any other things that may be coming up during practice where like, you know what we didn't yeah. have this week two. We have this now. This could be something different. this could be much, much different now going into this game,
5: yeah, well, I think you you can even take the scheme part of the scheme part out of it, you know. Um, they, I think it was clear. You can say the first two games for sure. Anthony Wayne, Perrysburg, they knew coming into the season who they were. That makes sense.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
5: absolutely. Um, they knew who they, they you can say probably last spring, probably at the end of their season last year, like they knew who they were coming into this season. They have veteran leaders, they have veteran star players, guys that were going to be seniors, and, and so forth. So I don't think there was a mystery about who they were going to be. So they were, they were extremely confident in who they were game 1 and game 2. And I think that's what you saw from them. All right, so look at us when we were coming in with guys who have had over, you know, uh, 18 or higher started varsity games in their career. That's basically almost 3 seasons for some of our guys with the covid year, right? Like these guys have started in very pivotal games as sophomores, juniors and seniors. So for us last year it was a scheme thing for us to figure out for the kids and we figured it out, we got it right. Where this year we, we were a young team coming in this year. I don't care how you slice it. Yes, we have Luke Montgomery. You know, we have Ryan. Ryan's a 16-year-old kid, you know? So I think for us looking at it, it was like they were extremely confident in what they had going on when they played us, and rightfully so with what they had. I think we're at that point now where we're extremely confident in who we are uh, and our strengths, um, and we're able to hang our hat on them now as a unit, as a team. So I think take away scheme out of it, I think we're just a different team at this point in time than we were the second game of the year.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7. WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFB Talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. And, and you mentioned it with, with Perrysburg, a team. They they knew who they were coming into this year, as you just alluded to. But have you seen, I don't know how, much, uh, how many different games you've had uh, the pleasure to see them, but have you seen anything in their recent games that is you Know much different or really any different from what you saw from them way back in week two?
5: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh, you know, obviously, I think the identity is still the same, right? The identity is still the same on both sides of the ball. I think what you see is, uh, as all as any offense or defense, you take what you, take what you have your basic structure in and you start to stack on it, right? So it might be, um, you know, we run this one play, you know, and when we line up, we run it just like this, okay? Well, might add a wrinkle on it, like a motion or maybe a a dummy motion, you know, or a different formation. So I think the structure is still there. I think they're, they, they have what they are. They are, what they are, they're extremely confident in who they are, but it's just more of the wrinkles that kind of create eye candy for you uh, and create an for you.
2: And coach, you, you, you know, me, I'm all, always curious what the message has been to the team, but uh, I'm also curious what the message has been to the coaching staff, because you, you've touched on just the growth and development yep. from this team as a whole this year. And you even alluded, uh, you know, uh, younger team as yep. is obviously the case for this year's quote. what's been the message to the coaching staff this week for some of these guys that this may be you know first taste of like big time playoff action football
5: yeah, it's been pretty simple i mean it's been pretty hey let's it's our job as coaches to create confidence for kids um i think our kids are going to continue to gain confidence as time has gone on but you know i think the the very basic mental part of the kid is we try to look at it as worst-case scenario. Hey, let's say they come in and they're like, we have to play Perrysburg again. Okay, well, what confidence are we giving them from a schematical standpoint? What confidence are we giving them from a from a technique standpoint to be able to go out there and execute? Well, I think it's us, one, showing them all the good things that we've done in that game, where uh, we might be one person away or one thing away. Um, it's going back and evaluating what we're doing in practice to make sure we are putting a, a structure uh, and creating a standard for how we play and what we're doing. And I think uh, overall, just, once again, digging into who we are truly and making sure that we're, we're able to get our guys in the best position uh, to make plays. And I, I think they've done a very, very good job really from the moment we kind of had an idea we we're going to play Perrysburg to now.
1: And you talk about, you know, different atmospheres and obviously it'll be a little different atmosphere uh, when you play up there uh, this Friday night as opposed to when you played them Uh, way back in in August, but how much do you uh, think that the success of last year's playoff team, the fact you guys made that little bit of a run, whereas Perrysburg, they won their first game, didn't play their second game, so they didn't have quite the extended run you guys were able to have. How much do you think that experience could help your team on Friday? I would
5: think for them, I think they feel pretty confident in the experience that they had last year, where I think for us, we have been there, we've seen it. You know, now we just got to go out there and prove to ourselves that we're worthy of what we're doing and and where we're going to be. So, I think it's just reminding them about what playoff football is actually all about, how much tighter things are, how much uh less room there is for error. Um, and I think we've kind of really stressed that. I mean, this week's it's it's, you know, we're we're not out here re- reinventing the wheel or recreating something completely catastrophically different. But our kids do feel like it's a playoff practice week. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, so I think it's just preparing them for what it's going to feel like, and understand that there's going to be a loud crowd. Uh, to Perrysburg's credit, you know they do a phenomenal job as far as spirits concerned, as far as attendance goes. They're going to be loud. They're going to be raucous. They're going to be they're going to be into it, right? We got to be so locked in that that stuff doesn't even matter or bother us. You know, I think that's that's what it should feel like in playoff football, and our guys are excited about that opportunity, and I think they've. They've seen it, and they've also some of them have played in it enough big games last year to understand what's at stake and and, and how we need to go out there and deliver.
2: And coach talking about the atmosphere at Perrysburg. So, something that I've kind of find very impressive is that your your team's kind of a mirror of itself at home one and four on the season away, however four and one is. Is there a part of you that is like, okay, we're away. This has been working for us this year. What, what has been the secret sauce? What's been the music played in the bus? What's been the uh, What's been the hype <laughs> video that's been played on the way out there? Because you, you guys have had a yeah. great season on the road. Getting to do it for a week one of the postseason, does That does that give you a little bit more comfort going think- in? Or is it still just, hey, it's a playoff game, anything can happen?
5: Yeah, no, I think, listen, I think our, our kids, what I'll give our kids our credit for, although young and, and in some ways early on in the experience, like they want to play in these games. I mean, I think that's one thing about Finley that's pretty unique is our kids understand that, you know, because of some of the good things that we've had happen in our program and the good things we have going on, There, there is attention on us. There are eyes on us. We are going to have people at games, whether it's to support us or whether it's to see us go down because we have Luke Montgomery or Ryan Montgomery. I mean, our kids understand that, you know, and I think uh, – they they into a point they embrace it. So I think just going out on the road this year has been good for us because, you know, maybe there's so much at stake early on. I felt like they felt going away might be a chance to get away and be free and just play ball. So you know, I think now it's like I think they're take us wherever. I don't care if we're home. I don't care if we're away. We're ready for a football game. So it, it's been really good. I think our guys just embraced that that mindset.
1: This has been Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Perrysburg.
5: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time as always. Go Trojans.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Hopewell Loudon head football coach, Brian Collatruglio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Hey Hardin County, Allen County, and Putnam County residents. NWO now can serve your local orthopedic and physical therapy needs a bit closer to home. We are now located in Bluffton at 132 Guru Street, right across from Bluffton Hospital. We provide the same great standard that NWO always offers, and we are now accepting patients wanting to be seen in our Bluffton office. Take your orthopedic and physical therapy needs to NWO. There's only one place to go, NWO. Everyday values are
3: at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers.
0: GRIT, the word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I am the owner of GRIT. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at GRIT encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. GRIT is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T, training at gmail.com.
3: Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations, Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted
1: partner for all your tire needs. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB and classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris Matt Common here with you until 730 the Hopewell Loudon Chieftains finish the regular season 8 and 2 finished tied for the fifth st- spot in Division 6, Region 22, and will play Seneca East in the first round of the playoffs. You can hear that matchup on Friday night on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and online through WFOB.com. We're right now pleased to be joined by Hopewell and Head Football Coach, Brian Collatruglio here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing?
6: Great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you again for, for taking... The time to talk with us and you've you've been at this a while, second uh second stint at Hopewell loudon but with uh twenty twenty, that season obviously that was all different kinds of weird twenty twenty-one things start to get back to normal. Was this first off seat was this off season where it finally felt quote unquote actually back to normal?
6: Yeah, I think so. You know, there there really weren't any restrictions on on what we were able to do and um, you know, just being able to be around our kids all the time and, and in our normal routine and, you know, practicing, playing, um, everything pretty much, you know, the, the way that we were used to. So, no, it, it's definitely getting you know, getting back to, um, you know, there's a lot of things that will probably never go back or change, but, you know, overall, you know, things were about as normal as they could be.
1: And you, of course, had a lot of seniors from last year's team that were quality players for you over the last few years with some of those guys being... Uh, key parts of the teams that made those deep postseason runs: Ashton Bohr, Sharon Jones, Reed Jury. I could go on and on for another couple yep. minutes, naming all those guys. How do you how do you even look to replace what some of those guys gave you? Because those are some of the guys. I mean, just alone what Sharon did in track. I mean, unbelievable. How do you look to even replace what those guys gave you?
6: Well, you know that that was the you know that was the challenge, and you know that's that's where high school sports are are unique, and you know, we every every year if you have a good team you know your your good players are probably graduating and um you know every year is a a new group and and how that group meshes and and comes together Uh, that's that's part of the fun and and the challenge of of high school sports you know we don't get to sign free agents or, or recruit our teams or um you know we we have to piece together every single year the the guys that we have and um you know this year is it has been has been a lot of fun doing that. Um, again, we have a lot of guys that that weren't experienced, but were pretty good football players. That, that were just sitting behind pretty good football players. So, um, those guys getting their chance to show you know, what the talent that they have and and their skill has been has you know, been great to watch all season long.
1: This is the NW Orthopedics Sportsuddle from the Frickers Studios, talking with Hopewell Loudon, head football coach Brian Brian Collatruglio here on this edition of the show. And for, for you guys, big win last week over Gibsonburg. I know you probably heard everybody going on and on about, you know, what Connor Smith could do for them and you guys able to really limit him and what the Gibsonburg team as a whole was able to do. What can you tell us about that week 10 matchup?
6: No, uh, just a great effort by by our, our kids and, and our, our defensive coaching staff. And, um, you know, Connor Smith is, is one of the most talented tough football players that, that I've ever coached against and in, in 20 some years of coaching and you know I don't know if I've ever seen a player have more impact on, on his team's success than he does. I mean, he carries the ball in every play on offense and he makes about every tackle on defense. i um, just an outstanding player um, and, and our kids rose to the challenge. You know, we we, we didn't shut him down, but you know, we tackled him just enough um, to limit their scoring and 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 get them in some uncomfortable down and distance for their offense and um probably more importantly our offense played its best game of the year and you know we scored on every drive that we had the ball um except for the last one when we took a knee to to end the game so you know the 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 scoring points and and being that efficient on offense allows your defense to you know really settle in and, and and just try to slow them down and keep them out of the end zone
1: And you mentioned before you had, you know, lots of guys that were some good football players, but might've been, you know, waiting for their turn. And one of those guys was a guy we got to see in in spots last year with Evan crease at the quarterback position. And he's of course stepped in and done a great job for you this season. What can you tell us about the development you've seen from him over these few years and what he can do for you guys moving forward?
6: Yeah, no, you know, again, you know, really talented, talented player. And, at the time last year, we you know we, we didn't want um, an, you know an injury or, or anything to happen to Ashton, but you know that, uh, Evan getting to play you know basically three full games last year um, ended up being a huge you know, a huge boost. Um, getting some game action and you know he put the time in in the offseason. You know we threw a you know threw a lot this winter and spring, um, put time in the weight room, and you know he's he's gotten stronger. Um, he's an extremely smart kid. He just does a great job of getting the ball where it's supposed to go and um you know that that's a you know, that's a gift I mean he's just he's talented and but on top of it he he just understands what we're trying to do and you know his decision making has been top notch all year
1: and you mentioned uh, not wanting Injuries to happen, of course. Football it brings injuries of different uh, varieties of nature, and one of those injuries, uh, Hayden Welly missed uh, missed yeah. some time for you guys. Uh, what What can you tell us about the player? He's been for you over the last few years, and and how he's feeling now.
6: He hasn't played since um, I think week seven, um, and and he, he won't. He he's done. Um, unfortunately, no. It's it's a yeah. It's a you hate to see it to anybody. Obviously, you never want to see a kid get hurt, but you know Hayden's been been a four year starter for us, and he's battled injuries every year. You know, he basically had one year where he actually got all the way through the season. Um, just unfortunate. Um, tough kid. He was really the you know the heart and soul of our team. Still is. You know, he's been uh, doesn't miss a practice. Uh, his leadership skills are, are still being um, still being used and and he's you know, still a big part of what we're doing, but yeah, no it, it that one hit it hit everybody a little tough. Um, you just hate to see you know a kid that's put so much into it you know, not be able to, to complete a senior year, but you know we we've had some guys step up around him and you know kind of rallying around him, and you know it's been great to see that as well,
1: and one of those guys that uh, stepped up in particular. Uh, The Hopewell Loudon uh, versus Calvert game that I saw a couple weeks ago. Braylon Martinez, as a sophomore, what he was able to do, I mean, he was pretty much the best player on the field in that game uh, a couple weeks ago. What can you tell us about what he's brought as a young guy? And he's, I mean, it seems like he was playing all over the field on both sides of the ball.
6: Yeah, no, and that's that's what we've done with him. He's, He's such a versatile player. You know, he was playing. You know, full-time receiver but you know there was times where we would put him in the backfield there's times where we would snap it to him you know he is our he's also our backup quarterback um and you know just a just a tremendous weapon and somebody that we can move around and you know when we needed him to to step in and you know be a full-time running back last three weeks he's you know he he's done a great job he's had over hundred yards two hundred last week in, in all three of his starts at, at tailback and um you know, we can still spread them around and, and throw them the ball as well you know just just a a, a very versatile weapon you know, he runs great routes as a receiver and he also a pretty tough runner um as a, as a running back
1: Talking with Hobo Loudon head football coach Brian Kyle Truglio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB here in the Frickers Zoom room. and I know you won't have to play everybody, but you do take an overview of the region you guys are in as you guys jump from Division 7 to Division 6, a very good region you, of course, hope to work through with three undefeated teams at the top of the region, including Carey, yeah. who you saw earlier this year. But lots of teams really crossed the board that have made, you know, sorts of runs over the last few years. Columbus Grove, Colonel Crawford, Patrick Henry, a handful of those teams. What can you say about, you know, how your region is kind of from the top to the bottom on some of these teams that you will play and could possibly play moving forward?
6: Well, when you, when you talk about small school football in, in Northwest Ohio, whether it's division five, six, seven, and I mean, it's, it's, that's uh, where small school football is played. You know, it's, um, yeah, top to bottom. You know, our our region is going to be you know, very balanced, and uh, whoever wins four straight weeks and, and comes out of this, will will have earned it. And um, yeah, obviously, you, know, you got the defending state champ up at top, up at the yeah. top. Um, you know, the, some of the teams out east, you know, we're we're not as familiar with, and, and some of those, but. You know, in Columbus Groves, Colonel Crawford's—you know—those those teams have have you know, made runs here the last few years, and um, you know we we know, you know even playing a, a talented Seneca East team, you, know, you got to play your best every week, and um, if if you're gonna want to move on.
1: Talk so with Hopewell Loudon head football coach, Brian Colletruglio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios, Lance Morse, Matt Common here with Hopewell and head football coach again, Brian Colletruglio. And Matt, I know you always love to uh, talk about the offensive line. So go ahead, uh, ask coach about the offensive line.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coach, we've, we've seen this Hopewell Loudon team a couple times this year. Um, one of the things that really stands out to me is the development and growth that we've seen from the offensive line. It really seems like they're, Starting to come into their own at a pretty good time. What can you tell us about that that uh, unit in particular going into the postseason?
6: Yeah, and again, that that was the that was probably our area, our biggest question mark coming into the season. We had five new starters Um, when you count our tight ends and fullbacks. You know, we really had seven new starters um, up front there, and uh, you know, replacing a bunch of three-year starters and. You no, know, it, it was a work in progress. You know, we've we've struggled at times. We've been inconsistent. Um, we've we've moved some guys around, and you know, the last you know two three weeks now, you know, I think we've kind of settled in. Got people where you know, where they're playing their best, um, and and we're really starting to get better. And you know, our, uh, Jason Bish, our offensive line coach, and you know, th- this was probably the biggest challenge that, that he's had um, as far as you know, starting over with a group, and you know, he's done a great job and. Um, you know, Will Nutter, you know, our left tackle, he's only, he's only a sophomore, um, been, been our best guy, been our most consistent guy all year long. Um, you know, Eric Hosler is a senior, you know, kind of waited his turn, sent behind some guys, and and now he's gotten a chance, and, and he's you know he's played really well this season, and you know some of the other guys, you know, they 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 haven't played a lot of football, and you know every week's a new experience, and, and we keep getting better. Um, Aiden Fetro, Hayden Stahl, Noah Kubitz. You know, these are all guys that that are playing for the first time, and you know, you can just see, you know, the the improvement from week to week, and, and we're getting a little bit more consistent in what we're doing. Um, and you know, with with the the guys, you know, the, the weapons that we have, you know, if we get that consistent offensive line play, you know, you see the results. The last couple of weeks with our offense,
1: and you look at uh, at practice and the different kind of I guess I'll say weird for lack of a better term weather patterns we've had because it was you know nice and like normal and you know it was hot to start the year as it you as it pretty much always is in August but you know, these last couple of days at least we've been getting into the 70s when typically it's really starting to get down and get cold. I know we've had some of those days over the last few weeks, but how how much does that impact if at all the practices, you know, this week, this past week when, you know, the weather even even though we are in fall officially now, it's yeah. starting to have some of these kind of more hot and uh, summer type days.
6: Yeah, no, it's it's been kind of weird. You know, a lot of times early in the week it's kind of been cold and rainy and then seems like every week by the time we get to the end, it's, it's been, you know, warm. And, you know, as far as Fridays go, it's probably been the, the best 10, you know, 10 weeks of, that I can remember in a long time. Yeah. You know, we, I don't I don't even, it's hardly even been any cloud cover in, in, in any of these games. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always, in Northwest Ohio, you get to this time of year, it's, it's you know, always a crapshoot of what you're gonna get. But, you know, we're, our, again, you know, when you get to play at this time of year, that that's you, you, you deal with it, and <laughs> you're glad to keep playing, and and you know we'll we'll take whatever we get going forward.
2: And coach, we'll go ahead and ask since we're sticking with the weather, apparently, <laughs> with our questions. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, the the postseason formatting, obviously, being the uh, potential for two home playoff games. Obviously, you guys have a home one coming up. Here against Seneca East. I guess million dollar question with it being a relatively weird, but at the same time very, very nice, manageable fall so far. Million dollar question: How's the field holding up since you guys are going to be uh, uh, hammering it out there on Friday night? Yeah, no,
6: it's you well, know, it's actually kind of weird at this time of year because it's so been so dry. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing, we actually one you know, got some water on it this week and um you know we haven't really had any rainy nights or rain games that, that would chew it up so um you know, it's, it's in good shape we're we actually started to get worried about it being a little bit too hard which is not normal for, I, for I'll this say, time so
2: i, I, yeah. I would say wait a minute hold up this is the true side of maybe the end times you guys yeah. had to water the field in yeah. late october
6: <laughs> no yeah no it's been no it's you know been so warm and dry and windy it's really kind of kind of firm things up quite a bit. So you know, we could use a little, a little rain shower. It looks like Friday's going to be great again.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Hopewell Loudon, head of football coach Brian Collatruglio here in the Frickers Zoom room, taking a look at your opponent for Friday night. You take on Seneca East, a nearby team that you haven't played this season. Seven and three on the year. Two of those losses come to some other teams we mentioned already in Carey and Colonel Crawford. What, what have been some of the things you've seen from Seneca East getting ready for Friday?
6: Oh, uh, yeah. They offensively, you know, they're they are very diverse. Um, you know, they put a lot of pressure on you, spreading you out, and their quarterback's a really talented player. Uh, I know he's. run for over a thousand and thrown for well over a thousand um you know he's a he's a dangerous dual threat guy and and he you know he really makes them go um and and he's he's almost more dangerous when the play breaks down and you know he starts to move around either to run or or to throw some of their their big plays come off things that are off schedule that that aren't exactly the way they they wanted them to happen um so um we're, we're going to, have to do a great job of containing him and keeping him from from moving around and and staying in coverage when he does. So that's that's a big challenge. It's a little bit different than last week, where you know they're going to hand the ball off to the same guy about thirty some times. And you know this week, you know you got a quarterback who's going to spread the ball and spread the field from from sideline to sideline, and you know, completely different mindset for for our defense. Um, so it's you know that's a big challenge for us, and you know hopefully we're able to continue to execute offensively the way we have been. And, um, you know, when you score some points, you, you can put some pressure on teams and maybe make them uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. And coach, obviously the very, very dynamic quarterback, they have down there at Seneca East. And I, I guess my question for you would be as a coach and as someone trying to like get your team ready, how do you prepare in practice for someone that frankly can do a little bit of everything? I mean yeah, that, that's no, really kind of the impressive you know, part with this kid. He does a little bit of everything really well.
6: Yeah, no, it's 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 tough, and and you know, you, you have to be disciplined. You know, we we'll have guys that you know that, that you know, we have guys that need to cover and take care of coverage. We will have guys that need to you know contain and, and control the quarterback from running. Um, you, know, we'll, you know, we'll we'll be challenging our guys to to do their jobs, and and you know when you get to this stage, you also know that hey, they're going to make some plays, and. You know, the, the mindset is um, you know when they, when they make a good play that you reload and, and and play the next one so you know we're a lot of their games have been shootouts they've had a lot of high scoring games you know, they've won a lot of games in you know the last player or two of the game um, so you know they're they're extremely comfortable you know, going back and forth and, and playing close games and um, you know we're, we, we just have to Slow them down when we can get some red zone stops, and, like I said, continue to score to to keep pressure on them.
1: And you look look ahead as well to Friday, uh, with uh, with having the home game. What kind of atmosphere are are you expecting to see in basketball on Friday? Because obviously good good feelings that you know have a home playoff game once again but you also like we mentioned earlier seneca East not a not a super far drive for uh for, for yeah. them from attica what exactly uh what kind of atmosphere you think that'll lend to on friday
6: no that, that you know i think it's gonna be pretty cool just again we're you know our, our region is kind of spread out so there's some matchups where there's some teams going some good distances so you know for us to you know to get a, a you know another county seneca county school to, to come over here the an old mal rival and we played them for a lot of years our kids don't remember that but i know both coaching staffs remember you know remember those games and and that rivalry and um you know i think both you know both schools have great support anyway so i i look for it to be a a great matchup. i'm glad we're back on friday nights last year we played week one on saturday night and it was raining and ohio state was playing penn state so we you know, we had one of our worst crowds of the year <laughs> last year for a playoff game. Um, so, no, I'm I'm excited that, you know, Friday night, you know, a couple of Seneca County schools are getting together and um, should be a great, great atmosphere for our kids to play in.
2: I mean, Coach, I was going to ask something. Uh, silly about the gentleman that lives next to the field. If he's going to have his bonfire going, if you guys have spoken to him about the, uh, <laughs> the victory bonfire yeah. that he seems to have every week, but no, I you, so. you, you name, you name dropped the MAL. So I got to be an old curmudgeon as well and talk about how I remember the MAL. Yeah. And I just, I'll, I'll ask you from a coaching perspective. I know every game obviously has importance, has significance. Postseason, they all have major significance for, for you as a coach and for someone who does remember those mal rivalries it is there anything just a little bit more that it's yeah. it is an, an old mal like the, the sure. those old rivalries tend to not go away they just seem to become only a once every couple seasons kind of thing
6: no and it's fun you know our, our you know we have a lot of guys on our, our coaching staff that you know we're we, we know, the, you know the guys on their coaching staff we scrimmage every year um, so it's you know and, and it's the first time we've actually competed in a game i think i think somebody said. 2013 was maybe the last time we played so um so yeah being very familiar with each other but yet not actually having competed in, in an actual game and then you amp it up even with with a playoff game and you know we, we've really been emphasizing to our kids that you know the the difference between you know the playoff game and, and the regular season game you know when, when you lose you, know, you don't get to play another week and you know there, there's no next week unless you find a way to win the game and we're having a fun, you know, a, a great time playing football. Uh, I love being around this team. This team loves being together, and you know, we're gonna fight like crazy to to be able to do it another week.
1: And he is gonna have the bonfire, right?
6: I mean, uh, I would assume, yeah. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: <laughs> uh, we usually like to end with you know what's uh, what's the message to your team, but it's uh, like you like you just kind of hit on with it being yeah. the playoffs. Kind of kind of speaks for itself.
6: Absolutely. Yep. nope. the the sense of urgency, you know, is is just got to be a little bit more, and you know, we're we're emphasizing that and how we prepare. You know, whether it's you know studying studying scouting reports, watching film, um, you know attention to detail and practice, it, it all has to be just a just a little bit more urgent. And because again, you don't you you don't want to look back and say, "Man, I wish I'd have done this or done that," and and, and after you get beat, you want to do everything you possibly can play your absolute best and, and then you can live with the results either way
1: this has been hope well out and head football coach brian carlachuglio coach thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us good luck on friday against seneca east
6: awesome man thanks guys i appreciate it
1: with that we'll step aside for a quick timeout we'll be back shortly with more here on the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the frickers studios on classic it's 96 7 wbvi and espn 1430 am 105.7 fm wfob Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios, on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic it's 967 WBVI Lance Morris. Mac Common here with you. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from being at midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback. Joining us to talk Ohio State football. Seven Adams, Finley High School's head football coach, and Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Collatruglio for joining us on the show tonight. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com. Click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our interviews from past seasons as well. We are not at the Frickers in Philly, would stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' Chicken Wings Day. Tuesday, frickin' Chicken Wings Day. T- tonight, their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, frickin' Chicken Chunks. Kids, of course, eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All those daily specials, dine in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers dot and that'll just about do it for us tonight. But before we go, Matt, again we've got some uh, we've got some good uh, coverage of uh, volleyball on Thursday, and of course the first round of the postseason on Friday. Yeah,
2: we do. It's it's gonna be a great one. If you're not tuned in, not listening, you're missing out. We're gonna have some good games. It's gonna be a really really good week of high school sports, and um, yeah, just make sure that you tune in. I I would have it's playoff sports. I don't know how much more advertising and hyping up you need. It's win or go home. That's all you need. So if it's going to be cold, dreary, gross, stay home, tune to us, and we'll be bringing you that postseason coverage because, man, it's going to be a great postseason this year. I got a really good feeling about it.
1: Don't miss our coverage of high school sports over the next few days. We'll have coverage of the district finals matchup for Tiffin Calvert when they take on Fremont and St. Joe. Matt and I will have that one. Thursday night from Fremont Ross High School. We'll have that around 6 o'clock, all on Classic Hits 96.7. And on Friday, join us for our coverage of the opening round of the playoffs in high school football. it will all get started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show with Bart Wilson and Reese Landon. And on WFOB, we'll have coverage of a battle of Seneca County, Hopewell Loudon taking on Seneca East. And on Classic Hits, we'll have coverage of Arlington when they host Delphus St. John's in the first round. Matt and I will have that one Friday on Classic Hits 96-7. then stay tuned, in, of course, following the games for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show, Bart Wilson, Reese and recap all the action for the first round and let you know who all won and what the playoff matchups for round two will look like once we start to have some final scores on Friday night. For my broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Frickers Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Stay tuned in though on WFOB for Cleveland Cavaliers basketball as they play host to number one pick Paolo Banchero and the Orlando Magic. We'll talk to you tomorrow, baby. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from Fremont and Friday night from Arlington for volleyball on free on from Fremont on Thursday and football Friday night from Arlington. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.